Hello and welcome to Around the Tree. This is a cultural podcast which will explore Africa and its history, connecting the continent to its diaspora. From ancient times to present day, we will embrace African culture in its beautiful diversity, traveling from Kinshasa to Kingston or Lagos to London. We will learn about its customs, its music, its art, its literature, its food, and much more. So if you want to discover this great continent, connect with its people, or simply love Africa, this podcast is for you. This is Lisanga Vibes official podcast. My name is Marcia Masaki, and I will be your host. Let's go. Hello, family. I am very pleased to release this new episode, which will kick off 2021 for us. Our first flight of the year is leaving the city of Los Angeles to take us all the way to the Caribbean Sea. Yes, please sit tight, fasten your seatbelts and enjoy this trip on Lisanga Airlines. Today's episode is very special because we will be discussing one of the most important periods in recent African history. As it is also the first time that we are visiting the Caribbean islands, and don't get me wrong, I love all my family from the West Indies, I absolutely wanted to take you first on a journey to Port-au-Prince. Port-au-Prince is the capital city of Haiti, a very special island which made a name for itself in world history. Before we begin, it is time for my usual disclaimer addressed to my dear Haitian family. Haïti chérie, pardonnez-moi, moi pas capable créole, ma moi voulez apprendre. I wish I could share with you this entire episode in Creole, but my abilities are very limited here, so I apologize in advance. And without further ado, let's take off. So as I said in the intro, we are celebrating Haiti, which is an important country because it changed the course of world history. On the 1st of January 1804, Haiti, under the leadership of the great Jean-Jacques Dessalines, became the first independent black nation to break its chains from the terrible system of human exploitation and bondage, which is called slavery. Did you hear that? I said Haiti is the first black nation who brilliantly succeeded to crush the terrible institution of slavery. Yes, there were many battles, struggles and successful uprisings before, but this one was probably the most significant and the first successful one. So, as you've just heard, we've traveled to 18th century Haiti. And because March is also the month of women internationally, we've decided to tell you the story of Asian Revolution with a slightly different twist, which will put more emphasis on some of the amazing women who actively participated in the independent struggle of Haiti. The first lady I would like to talk about is called Cecil Fatima. Cecil Fatima was an incredibly beautiful woman with green eyes and exceptional organizer skills. At that time, a woman with her charisma and natural beauty would have been destined to quote-unquote housework. But because she was so strong and powerful and unsubmissive, she was assigned to field work instead. 
Now, the reason we are currently in a swamp is because Cecil Fatima is known for her role in organizing one of the most important events of the Haitian Revolution. Cecile was a master of communication. She had been working for years building a strong network of women who were able to share vital information between plantations. The key event she is known for is organizing a congress, a congress that is known as the Ceremony of Boacaimon. That ceremony took place in the night between the 13th and 14th of August 1791. Cecile was also a mambo, a priestess, a spiritual leader, and when she organized that congress, she convened Maroons as well as freed men and women and Africans that were still enslaved. And together, they all decided that it was time to take their freedom from those who were oppressing them. Cecile presided that meeting and eventually performed a sacred oath freedom or death. But usually, most people know this event because they've heard about another great man known as Dati Bookman. And Dati Bookman was also present at that Congress and he delivered a special speech. That speech is known as Bookman's Prayer. It's basically a speech where he said that we are at the bottom, but we will rise up. And from that point on, the revolution started. The next four women I want to talk about are military women. The first one is Agbaraya Toya, most commonly known as Aunt Toya. Before being captured into slavery, Antoya was a well-respected general in the all-female army of the King of Dahomey, and she was in charge of his personal security. When she arrived in Haiti, she instantly escaped from the plantation and went straight to the mountains in order to recreate an army with the Maroons. Unfortunately, she could not find any support amongst those she met, and she gave up her plans. Up there, she met a young lady who was about to give birth and assisted her in delivering the baby. As they both realized that she would probably not survive, the young woman asked Tantoya to take care of her baby and to teach him freedom. Tantoya accepted. And guess who that baby boy was? That baby boy would grow up to become the great Jean-Jacques Dessalines. The next woman I want to talk about is a very special one because women with such caliber are very rare and I feel honored just to share her story with you guys. So if I am not mistaken, she was probably built for the military. I think she joined at a very early age, probably around 16 or 17, because she had married a colonel. She married Colonel Charles Belair. So for those who are Asian, they probably know already who I'm talking about. Her name is Sanit Belair or Sanite Belair, depending on where you're taking your information from. But she was such an incredible woman that as soon as she joined the army, she managed to climb up the ranks very quickly to the point of becoming a lieutenant herself. And she was such a brave woman that when the French army came back to try and reinstall 
uh, slavery, she was one of those that had a price on her head. She was eventually captured by the French army. And when her husband heard the news, he said, let me come and replace her. What did they do? Obviously, they took both of them and they sentenced both to death for conspiracy. So for Sanit Belair, because she was a woman, it was said that she was supposed to be beheaded, whereas her husband was supposed to die by firing squad because he was a man. As they were taken to execution and that Sanit Belair saw how her husband was devastated by their fate, she encouraged him to die with dignity. And even if she was supposed to die by decapitation because she was a woman, she refused so hard that they had no other choice but to also execute her by firing squad. When her time came, she was so brave that she refused to wear a blindfold and even gave orders to her executioners to shoot her. As you can see, she was an exceptional woman who died for her ideals. Marie-Jeanne is the next woman we're going to talk about. She was an exceptional addition to the Revolutionary Army and she is known to be a master of disguise. Her invaluable skills led her to the position of head of spies. She is described as a maroon, a beautiful, tall and muscular woman who was an incredibly sharp shooter. She is particularly acclaimed for her role in the Battle of Creta Pierrot, where she has helped many courageous warriors to fight back French troops who had besieged them, even if they were clearly outnumbered at the start. French troops had predicted that taking this fort would be an easy and quick win, but their collective bravery and courage led them to victory after several weeks of fight. Eventually, the French troops lost, and more than half of the Haitian soldiers walked out alive from this battle. For those of you who want to go further on this point, the Battle of Creta Pierrot took place in March 1802, and it is said that it is in that fort that Jean-Jacques Dessalines swore to the army that he would bring them to independence. <laughs> The next woman was also a great addition to the army. Marie Sandé de Basile was in charge of logistics. Married to a goldsmith and also a mother of two children, yes, she and her family followed the army and the troops on the battlefield and they supported them providing food and many other supplies, cooking for them, laundry and so on. She was so efficient at her job that she also climbed the ranks of the army very quickly and eventually became head of logistics. I will just ask you to remember this name for now because we will come back to her later on in this episode. In the next section, I want to refer to three women who have close links with other great men that we usually tend to hear a lot when it comes to the Asian Revolution. The first one of these three ladies is Madame Catherine Flon. Catherine Flon was an incredibly talented seamstress and also the goddaughter of Jean-Jacques Dessalines. When the revolution started, most of her family decided to leave the colony in order to find refuge elsewhere. However, Catherine decided to stay and to provide as much support as she could to the independent struggle. So under the guidance of our godfather, Jean-Jacques Dessalines, 
she actually sold the first flag of the country. So what happened is that Jean-Jacques Dessalines gave her, um, took a French flag, removed the white part, and then gave her the blue side and the red side. And she sold those two pieces together. That's how the first flag was born for the country. And to this day, she's celebrated for having done that in 1803. Oh, and before we move on to the next lady, I want to highlight that Catherine Front was also an incredible entrepreneur. She owned a clothing store and she was also a nurse. So her support to the independence struggle was a lot broader than just um, sewing the flag. The next lady I want to acknowledge in this episode is Suzanne Simon Baptiste Louverture. She was the great wife of a great man, Toussaint Louverture, who also played a detrimental role in the revolution. Before Jean-Jacques Dessalines took over the independence struggle, Toussaint Louverture was leading the Haitian revolution and his name actually means the opening in French. His wife decided not to be involved in his political life. However, she was a strong head of household and an expert in farming and harvesting. She looked after the entire family, their sons, and anyone else who came to visit their house. And she made sure that everyone always had enough on their plate and she had a table with food for everyone. As we are leaving Suzanne's kitchen, we are going to acknowledge the last lady of this episode. The last woman I want to acknowledge is Marie-Claire Heureuse Félicité Bonheur Dessalines. This woman is just incredible by the amount of work that she achieved in her lifetime. So first of all, before uh, meeting Jean-Jacques Dessalines, she was born into slavery and then uh, ended up being a free woman through her first marriage. She uh, managed to learn how to read and write and then she also proceeded to become an educator and teach other free men and black women how to read and write. Um, when she met Jean-Jacques Dessalines, she was actually working on the battlefields to heal soldiers because she was also an herbalist. She knew very well herbs and she was a healer and that's how they met. So eventually when they got married, they became a very strong couple. And later on, as they progressed in their lives and eventually freed their country, she also played a detrimental role in drafting the constitution of the country because she was also an author. So there's so many things we could say about her, but I will just start with this and we will also come back to her in the next session. So now that you know a bit more the different types of women that have been involved in the independent struggle, I want to go back on some of them just to see what they have become after independence. So for example, Cecil Fatima, um, that we started the episode with, this incredible organizer, she actually lived long enough to see and celebrate independence herself. If I'm not mistaken, I believe she died at the age of 112, unlike Hungan Dutty Bookman, who was captured and killed a few months after the Boikaman ceremony. <laughs> On 
Toya, the one who taught Jean-Jacques Dessalines everything from speaking Yoruba to fighting techniques and also the art and science of war, also lived long enough to see independence herself. Even if life circumstances kept separating her from her protégé Jean-Jacques Dessalines, in 1805, when she fell terminally ill and died, her protégé, who had then become the emperor of the Free Black Empire, found her and gave her the most dignified funeral ceremony to salute her memory. Marie-Saint-Dédé Basile, the head of logistics, also lived up to independence. She was particularly remembered in history for her actions after the assassination of Jean-Jacques Dessalines. In October 1806, Jean-Jacques Dessalines was killed, his body dismembered and the various pots thrown throughout the entire capital city as they wanted to humiliate him. When Marie-Sainte de Basile heard the news, she instantly went to Port-au-Prince in order to collect the various body parts, even if this was forbidden by law. She could not accept letting the emperor being dishonored in such a way and made it her mission to offer him an honorable funeral. Many history books refer to her as a crazy woman, but her actions were very powerful. And as our great historian Baina Bello would say, she was the Isis of 1806. Marie lived until 1816, and her son became a colonel in the military. Suzanne Simon Baptiste Louverture was unfortunately arrested and taken to France prior independence. When she arrived in France, she only saw her husband once to say goodbye before being tortured by the authorities herself. They were still trying to find her husband's alleged fortune, but of course she never cooperated with her torturers. When she was eventually released, the recollection of the end of her life is a bit blurry because some records say that she died in France at the age of 80 of cancer and others say that she traveled back to Jamaica and died there. I don't know what the truth is, but I just wanted to take the time to say that when we say she was tortured, the atrocities that she lived are unbearable. They broke all her bones, they broke her nails, and when she arrived in France, she was weighing 250 pounds, which is more or less 110, 115 kilos. When she left, she was weighing 90 pounds, which is more or less 40 kilos. So that just gives you an idea of the intensity of the atrocities that this woman had to endure simply because she was the woman of a liberator. In collective memory, Catherine Flon and Lieutenant Sanit Belair have been immortalized on the 10 gold banknotes of the country. In the early years of 2000, they became nationally known faces for their achievements and to this day they still continue to inspire many young women. Finally, I would like to end this episode by celebrating the Empress Felicity, who 
was uh, at the origin of an incredible Haitian tradition that is celebrated between the 1st of January and the 7th of January every year. During that time, everybody cooks and shares the soup jumu. The soup jumu is the independent soup. And she created that because she wanted the country to celebrate independence in solidarity and without hunger. To this day, this tradition lives on and this is probably one of the most beautiful legacies that she left us. Her beautiful soul transitioned to the ancestors at the age of 110 in 1858. Congratulations, you've just completed your journey with Lisanga Airlines and we landed safely. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope that you enjoyed it and learned something new. Feel free to share this with your friends, family and anyone interested in learning more about African cultures. Give us your feedback and reach out to us on social media so we can keep the discussion going. Do not forget to check out our website, lisangavibes.com or all our social media pages on the various platforms. Finally, I hope to see you again very soon. The next episode will be released next month. Until then, stay safe and as we say at home, Tomonani. You can now call me Marcy and this is the Sanga Vibes official podcast. <laughs>